Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have conversations about sex and sexuality. So for today's episode, I have two lovely guests from a fellow pod who I've now been on multiple, multiple appearances on their podcast. So you know what? I thought you need to hear from them on my podcast. So... Please, everybody, welcome to the mic, Lauren and Jess from Perspective Podcast. Hey, gals. Hi. Hi. We're so excited to be on the pod. This is our first on someone else's pod. <gasps> oh, my God. Literally our first guest our virginity. I am popping your cherry as we It's speak. fitting. Oh, I love it. We're I genius. love to cherry. We're so genius <laughs> to be here. You know what? I'll put Jeebius or outtakes for Jeebius in the like post roll for the episode because that was it was recording. Yeah, <laughs> you need to of maybe like explain that though. <laughs> you were struggling through saying the word jubilant. <laughs> yes, it, it, like, it's not Jeebus. an actual podcast episode unless I struggle to say a word or a like well-known phrase that I'm not saying correctly. <laughs> and just just for the record, it was Jess struggling, not me. Yeah. yeah. Just to get it straight. I'll take that one, yeah. So how about um, for folks who haven't heard your podcast yet, I absolutely love your podcast, but I want you to say in your own words exactly like what it's about. Sure. Um, I, I'll, I'll start. Jess, yeah, go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> sure. Um, so Herspective is a podcast about female empowerment first and foremost uh all our guests are female and yes you've been on twice which we absolutely adore you i think you know that by now um and we like to talk about things that are kind of taboo uh anything that maybe has like a stigma or misconception around it and we just want to get the real facts and the real information about whatever the topic is by somebody who actually knows and who nice. can get deliver on that real information. But it's really just about like real girl talk. Our show's pretty casual. Um, you know, we talk about our own different types of experiences, journeys, struggles, successes, all that. And uh, our guests usually share that too. And they're usually an expert in their field. So uh, they fill us in on pretty much whatever it is we want to talk to them about. Amazing. And I have to say, like, you two are so well researched. Like, when whenever you have interviewed me on your podcast, like, I just feel like you've put a lot of work into conducting the interview. And you do a really great job, like, considering, you know, you're interviewing people who you usually are not uh, personally or professionally related to their field. Like, I feel like you really do do the thing and you do a pre-interview and you like just make sure that you're putting out there like real information and uh, doing it justice. So thank you to both of you. Thank you so much. I mean, that is Lauren said it really well describing what our podcast is about. But the main thing is putting out 
information from experts. So we really wanted to do that justice and, you know, be accurate with that information because we're just trying to get all of the taboo and, and misconception um, topics out there untaboo, unstigmatized or destigmatized. There we go. There's another word. It's <laughs> another made up word. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to make sure everyone feels really comfortable. So we want to have the people that are able to do that on and uh, legit information out there. Yeah, exactly. We uh, we really think that there's a lot of women still that live with questions that they're maybe too afraid to ask uh, or too afraid to talk about or accept within themselves and just like just anything really, whether it's related to their body, sexual behavior, sexuality, um, just mindset, like all sorts of things. So we're kind of like, you know what, we've struggled with probably a lot of similar things. So let's talk about it because like Jess said, it shouldn't be taboo. And there's so many things that it's in 2020, you'd be like, how is this still like such a untalked about thing, whatever it may be. And we're just like, this can't be happening anymore. And again, I think that shocks us. Yeah, it does shock like us a lot of the time. Like how many things are still taboo, how many things are still not talked about. And what the saddest thing is like we don't want anyone to have a, an issue or not even an issue, like any situation where they just don't feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. I would hate to have something going on or like feel bad about something that's natural in my body or or what I want to experience or something like that and just really not have the confidence to talk about it. So I just I think we really want to make people and females especially feel really comfortable with everything in the world. That's amazing. So, okay, tell me then uh, what kind of topics you've covered or like what kind of guests, what kind of professionals you've had on the pod, just to give people like an idea of what kind of things we're talking about. Oh man, we have like some on the board, I think. Yeah, I love our diverse roster. Okay, well, we can just go with like the most recent ones. Um, Well, you. You were one of our recent ones um, talking about sex work in COVID. Um, before that, we had a sexologist. Um, before that, we had we had uh, the CEO and founders of Mixed Chicks Hair Products on. Um, Lauren, help me. <laughs> well, we've had we ha- we just had Lori Kamer on, who is a breathwork coach, yes. um, among many other things in the alternative and holistic healthcare field. Um, we have talked to comedians. We have talked to mindset coaches, uh, like psychologists-ish type people, um, like only matchmakers, strippers. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've really like spanned the board. Former Playboy Bunny, um, business women. Uh, so because everybody has a story and a different, very different story with very different experiences, so. I think somebody like may relate to what that particular person has to say or what they went through or what um, you just like what their journey has been like. So while others may relate more to a different guest that we've had on and, yeah. and then, yeah, like just the fact we're always in awe of our guests because they are so well-versed in what they're talking about in their field or their industry mm-hmm. or whatever their expertise is. And, half the time we're like speechless because we're always fangirling because it's so (laughs) amazing to talk to women that are just like so smart and just so like 
aware of themselves babes yeah Yeah, exactly i don't think there's a better way to explain it yeah yeah no matter what their industry is um no matter who we speak to every single person we're like oh my fucking god you're so cool that's (laughs) awesome yeah you you really do find some great guests you had dr jess on early in your podcast i was like "Mm, impressive like that was a goal that was a goal like that yeah she was a goal yep Actually, totally. this is a goal today too. We yes. it's literally on our podcast doc where we communicate um and write down all of our, you know, ideas and stuff. And at the top of the very first page is our goal is to be on someone's podcast. Oh, and we're yay! so lucky and happy that it's yours. Yes. Oh, I'm so lucky and happy too. Oh my god. Okay, so okay, so let's so you're on my podcast, no ladies. Yes. So okay. <laughs> we are talking about sex today, obviously. Sex, obviously. sexuality, everything in the gamut. So so maybe we'll start with you, Lauren, like, when you're thinking about like, who you are as a sexual person, like, what are some words that you might describe yourself? Oh, okay. That's a bit that's a tough one. First, I have to say, since starting our podcast, my words that I would have used prior have definitely changed. So not only is our podcast just like super fun, we talk to amazing women, we have also like learned so much about ourselves and uh, I've certainly gained like confidence in different areas. Um, So now I would definitely describe myself as confident. Yay! I'd have to say more confident because I never wasn't confident, but more confident. Uh, I was like, going to say, dem- I should have done yours, Lauren. You should have done mine. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's do that. Okay. Just okay. Do you want me to do Lauren? Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I I would have said the exact same thing for her that she – I know for a fact she's, um, like, felt more confident based on uh, everyone that we've spoken to because we have learned so much. So for sure I would say confident. Um, I would say, um, like, interested, like, re-interested in, in sex and uh, kind of – exploring um not that she was stagnant or anything before that but I think it's kind of given her a bit more information to go off and therefore sparked a bit more of curiosity tell me if I'm wrong babe but no you are and I would throw in expecting um yes yes I love that for you I've I've always sort of like I, I again I've always been confident I've always owned like the way I feel and the things I want but I was probably one of those women for a long, long time that kind of felt like it's okay to be secondary in the pleasure category. Like, it's still good. Like, I'm still enjoying. I'm having fun. Like, I feel good. I feel sexy. Like, I've been with my husband for 11 years now, and he's, you know, he's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's no, like, slight against him. It was strictly me. Like, mentally, it was just like, well, whatever. Like it's fine if I don't orgasm or like it's fine if like he's doing something that I don't super love but he might think I do but I'm not saying anything about it so outspoken um would be another word Uh yeah I love that yeah Jess Jess yeah okay so (laughs) give a couple for yourself Jess and then maybe we'll have same thing we'll have Lauren take over and then do (laughs) do you (laughs) um I guess my oh god I don't know I think mine a word I'd like to use is like a lot I like a lot of (laughs) sex and surplus a lot of like yeah surplus sex surplus of you know situations um 
learning. I always want to like learn and try new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but still within my, I, th- I still think I'm like sheltered because there are things that I know that I haven't done that I want to do that I think would change a lot of things. Mm. Um, I don't know. Laura, what do you think? Yeah. What do you so think, Laura? my first word would be insatiable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good word. Um, I would say, and not in a bad way at all, like dominating and controlling, because like you, I mean, you just know me what you want. Yeah, like, and I envy that. Like, you girls are like that's that's, that's one of the things that I'm trying world. to, uh, yeah, to get better at is just like I love that you just own it. You're like, bitch, get on your knees. Like, yeah. we're doing this, and by bitch, I mean the man you're with, or, yeah. like, or whatever you choose in that moment, but yeah, like, I just, you just take control of, like, what you want, and, like, what you want to be done to you, or what you want to do to your partner, I just, I think that's awesome, so, uh, but yeah, insatiable for one, um, powerful, because yes. you are, like, super, like, confident. Um, like, a lot of, like, what I've learned throughout the year of doing the podcast is from Jess, too. Is just, like, her Aww. just openness and total confidence in the bedroom and, Aww, like, babe. with her sexuality. And so it's, like, why am I not like that? Like, I don't really know why. Like, I want that, too. I- <laughs> I actually wanted to talk to maybe Lady Pim, you know, um, why are some people more like that or not? Like, I know this comes from when you're younger or as a teenager. I I don't know why I am the way I am, because we weren't really like raised in a way that really highlighted sexuality or confidence of women in sexuality. I was never taught that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I am like that. Do you have any idea about this? Yeah, it's a broad spectrum, like, why why we're so different when we kind of had a very similar upbringing, and it was good. Like, both of our upbringings were good, and our parents are together still, both of us, and they're, they were loving. So it's not like we had trauma or anything like that, but we mm-hmm. are very different in our just, like, sexual appetites. It could be literally, like when we're young people especially young adults like around puberty time like we're so influenced by our environment and we're like little sponges uh soaking up information right so for instance it's like you could have like read something that just really fucking stuck with you you could have heard somebody say something you could have you know seen some some like tiny little moment that is seemingly unconsequential maybe with someone else they wouldn't even noticed it or cared or would have affected them in any sort of way but for whatever reason it's possible that something like that could have affected you very deeply and you could be still carrying it today like you know little microaggressions tiny traumas like i know you're both saying like we had a great childhood and you know we we have great families great parents and i don't know why i'm like this it's like well tiny tiny little things really do affect young people like yeah so you're right like as you were saying all that I was like trying to think about like okay did was there anything that I can pull up as like trauma or I just I don't know like I even hate small trauma, little things but... you know just like small little things like that An yeah. experience yeah. experience a negative so, experience yeah I think for me it was more that like totally grew up in 
what I consider a healthy, happy, normal home. Like obviously nothing was perfect or things aren't always perfect, but it was definitely loving. Um, But my mom's English and uh, she was raised obviously in an English home. And I do recall like just thinking like just moments growing up as like a young girl of like you I was kind of told like oh well can't be showing that or you don't wear that or you don't talk like that it wasn't and it's not it wasn't suppressive because my mom is also like super confident and she's like you're a girl hear me roar kind of thing um it took a long time for her to like find her confidence as like I've had conversations with her over the years about this sort of thing and um it actually wasn't really till she met my dad apparently that she like really came into her own and was like, I am worthy and I am like smart and I'm like beautiful and all the things. So, um, which is great because my dad is so like, he is a feminist. Like he is just like pro girl for sure. Um, But for me, I think it was just like, that's where the the confidence thing came from is because it wasn't like talked about. um, It was just not something that at an earlier age, my parents would talk about like sexuality and pleasure and and I also think I was one of those girls that didn't fully understand their body entirely um until like later on like obviously I was aware of my body but I don't think I like yeah like I think it kind of freaked me out um I think I felt like oh you're not supposed to like do that or look at yourself or touch yourself um but I mean like I look back and I'm like obviously I was in a way like doing different types of masturbation as like a younger person because like that's what you do but I think I always thought like oh that's probably not good like this is probably like gross or like I'll be in trouble or like someone will like think I'm weird because it wasn't something like you talk I talked about with my friends until again later in life so I think I just was much more uneducated in that world um until like later on in my teen years like when I had sex when I started um like dating more and like getting a lot more intimate with guys so it was definitely like later in my 20s when I was like yeah like I like this and I I'm allowed to like it and but even then it was there was still that like blockage that was like oh okay but like if I say that I want him to do this or I want to try this is he gonna think I'm weird or gross or like is that too freaky deaky like so I think there was a lot of like stigma I had for myself around like not knowing if this would be weird and I think that's the only word I could really use to describe it um, with whatever partner I was with at the time. Like, I think I was afraid of, like, being judged and criticized or labeled. Like, um, whoa, she's some freaky sexy. Yeah, <laughs> and and I don't remember, like, being like, ooh, I want to, like, do anal or anything like that, like, right away. Um, like, at 13 years old, your first yeah. sex, you're like, let's yeah. just put it in my ass. Yeah, yeah let's, let's just, just fucking, let's fuck fucking do up. it. Yep. Let's um, just go, go big or go home. You know yeah. what, Lauren, when you're speaking, it all came clear as to why, it all, it all just came clear in my question. So you guys have you figured said, me out. Well, this is like a group therapy out, session, I love it. It, it is. <laughs> Every new piece of information is helping because, so you said, you said when you were younger, your um, mom was like, oh, a lady wears a... So same with mine. My mom is like, compared to me, she's a prude. Even now, she's like, oh my God, your tits are hanging out. Like, So <laughs> I think instead of 
I didn't take what she said. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's make them hang out even more. So right, I think rebel, I that rebellious personality trait. Yeah, yeah, so that's, and I know I was, I was very rebellious when I was younger, so I think that's why sex um, started was like young a tool for, me. for you. Yeah, and like I just wanted all the taboo stuff. I wanted to get drunk. I wanted to get high. I wanted to get laid. I wanted all the stuff yeah. um, right away, right? So then because I started so young um, with sex and, and all of the stuff, vibrators, young, um, looking in the mirror at my own vagina, things like that, I the next gradual steps just happened. So I kind of like experienced a lot of stuff starting younger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and and you know what? Again, it is very revealing because like I was so opposite. Like I revered my parents. Um, again, they were like super supportive in anything I did. They were not like they didn't overly discipline or anything like that. They were always like, "You can do whatever." Like they were those parents. Um, but I think I was always like I and still am. Like to, truth be told, like I care what they think like a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was not at all like promiscuous in any way, like growing up or in high school, even like I had boyfriends, I did the makeouts at the parties, certainly like got drunk and stuff. But I think I almost like emulated like who they were too. like my parents still partied. My parents were, are super fun people. My dad's like a former quote unquote rock star, we'll say uh, my mom. So beautiful, like super sporty, like super social, always worked in the like restaurant industry. Um, so used to like attention and being like with people. So I had all those qualities also. Like I was like, yeah, party. Cool. Awesome. Like I have so much fun. I'm, I'm the life of the party. I'm a Leo. I love being center of attention. Um, but when it came to like anything sexual, it was something so private. Like, unfortunately I was the victim of hearing slash seeing my parents have sex a couple times growing up. But, That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> that'll affect yeah. you. Yeah. Speaking of, talking about little things that'll affect you. That's yeah. one of them. And Maybe that's why you're like, no, it. I can't do this hideous act. <laughs> well, I think it was like I knew that that's normal, but at the same time, you're never supposed to see or hear your parents. So, like, definitely okay. no matter you know. how old you are, though. No, no one wants that. No. So no. I think, but it was never talked about. Like, my parents were never like, okay, so like what you saw slash heard is blah blah blah. Like, it never. Like, it was just like, okay, <laughs> let's all pretend like that never happened. And right. it was more like if mom and dad's door is shut. Don't do not <laughs> and like we had a very open door policy in our home like you didn't shut and lock your door and lock yourself away but on sunday mornings <laughs> oh and God. i think i just like was like whatever and i normally would just walk in and it was like ah dear yeah. god they're having um, their own so, little Sunday morning come to Jesus moment. Yeah, dear God, come <laughs> to Jesus is right. Uh, <laughs> they did this. say, "Oh God," a lot. They did say, yeah. God. Yeah. Um, "I don't." I've I've blocked that out. Think, I'm thanking myself for the repressed memory. Uh, but, no, but that is interesting, though. That it's it like, is, yeah, it, the, like like that experience in itself. But then how it was dealt with. It's like nothing was said. Whereas maybe you would feel completely different. About about that memory if they were like listen you know it, we were just having like a private time two people love it like then they this chose totally to, normal yeah they chose to like have that as a jumping off point for like a sex conversation right maybe you would yeah, feel completely happened. differently the way you internalize like that messaging with that experience with what happened might have been totally different 
Absolutely. Or maybe not. Who the hell knows? I'm not a, I'm not and, a therapist. And but. so for me, yeah. And, but, the, but the, you don't need to be because like you have a different experience. I have a different experience and Jess has a different experience. And like by totally. talking about them, you see like why we form the thoughts around sex the way we did or why we behave the way we did in terms of like anything sexual. Um, so I think that in a way like it's therapeutic to hear like different other people's, people's stories experiences and like because I was afraid of getting in trouble like I was always afraid of disappointing like I was the golden child yeah still am sorry sorry Roar if you ever listen to yes. this podcast it's but uh, you're number two <laughs> yeah. um, two out of two it's just different right that like younger blessed. sibling yeah. totally different uh experience like growing up for him too so it was so it was always like I can't disappoint them I can't like be bad yeah that was similar with me my brother was kind of he got like the fuck up edit you know in our young adulthood so I was the one that had to do everything perfectly and like you know that manifested in me in all sorts of different fucking ways (laughs) like obviously Oh my god, endlessly. Like that that just drove me to have like so much anxiety in my like young adulthood because I literally felt like no, I was like so open and I was like everybody, you know, it's cool to see therapists. It's cool to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but in my head when I was like saying stuff like that about other people, I was thinking it's okay for them, but it's not okay for me. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like it's cool. But, like yeah. I love that other people go to therapy, and I love that other people, you know, are on their own journey. But that's not my standard that I hold for myself. So even still, or or back then, I think no. I'm. I think I've gotten a lot better. But like I was <laughs> having major anxiety, anxiety attacks, panic attacks, like through my like mid twenties. Even I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Therapy and that's something I've helped. never experienced is like anxiety or oh, I, have I think I've had anxiety. one panic attack in college when it was just like yeah. a hairy time. Um, I still have like a lot of different social type anxiety. Like I don't have anything really at the forefront of my brain anymore, which is why anxiety is so terrible because it's so active. So it's not like in that space for me mentally, but I still let... Like, I still kind of work around definitely having social anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to, for me to feel comfortable, I need to, like, do a bunch of things. And I really have trouble reaching out. And it's just, like, you know, general fear of failure, which I'm sure a lot of people can. can uh, yeah, I have that. Yeah, a lot of people understand Or not that, necessarily failure, but, like, not accomplishing enough or not, like. That's it. That's yep. fear of failure. Don't worry. I you guess have anxiety so. just like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it doesn't like plague me I don't think no it like, doesn't plague I... me anymore at one point it did it, do- it for sure doesn't anymore but sometimes it's like my husband is like you just need to like reach out Take to people yeah. yeah like you, yeah you know you're you're doing it again basically and I'm like am I oh, yeah I guess <laughs> I, I am okay still I guess I'm still working on it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah well and my anxiety uh specifically has changed over the years it used to be uh, it used to manifest in a different way uh, when I was younger. Now it, it's more so like, I don't know if anyone else feels this when they have their anxious times, but my like eyes will fog over and I can't concentrate. Yeah. And you just take deep breaths in order to be able to like read what I'm, what I'm trying to read or like whatever it is. I'm like, okay, just breathe, just breathe. Like it was like a thousand thoughts ran through my head. And yeah. so it's not even one thought anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
remember when we were talking about our parents? Yeah. Um, what did, how did your parents, um, feel about your career choice? Um, my mom is so fantastic. Uh, she is like just so open and we have a really, really lovely relationship. Um, and she is like, honestly, my biggest fan. It's really, really funny. Like she is on Twitter commenting on my like work Twitter (laughs) posts. Like (laughs) amazing. Like the cutest thing. Like the picture is like me with a chastity cage and me with a key and me and the comment is like, How's everyone's Locktober going? You know, for like some people are in chastity this month that are in power dynamics. Um and my mom comments on on the thing. She's like, You look so beautiful. I saw that Aww. post, and you do look so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if you ever see a Mary Ann uh, comment, that's my. That's, that's my. That is the most important thing can I've you, ever heard. Like, think of anything better, like, than your parents being, or one of your parents at least being, like, a hundred percent supportive of your career and your choices. Like, it's, there's, uh, there's honestly, nothing better. I can't. Yeah, honestly, I can't think of anything better because well, I can think of the worst case scenario would be like my dad commenting on something of me like that. Like, you go, so honey. I'd be like, oh god. Yeah, my dad is kind of like he knows what I do he doesn't know details about it he probably doesn't understand exactly what I do but in general he knows what I do we had a conversation like when I started doing it um and I was just like very purposefully like general and vague about it and like you know just yeah I was trying to give him like the lightest version basically of of what I do but he has an idea and he knows he knows I'm a dominatrix and um you know we don't talk about it actively but like you know, my mom will be like, oh, you had some sessions recently. How were they? And same with, like, Polly stuff. She's like, oh, you know, how's how's Josh? How's Matt? How's everything? You know, like, she's very, she's very, um, like, in her words, she's like, nothing, at my age, she's like, literally nothing can shock me. You can tell mm-hmm. me anything. Nothing will shock me. And I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> well, I got some things to tell you. Yeah. Do you test that? I know, right? I'm like, you want to bet? <laughs> Try this on for size. (laughs) Take it as a challenge. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. 
So speaking of um, your multiple relations, okay, sorry, I I can't get out of not being the podcast. I love it. I love how you you did the yeah. pivot. Take over, Jess. Being Do very it. controlling, Jess. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I'm an A type. I I try to work on that, but um, you know you how? That's <laughs> no, a fucking blatant lie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't want to come on here and lie, sorry not sorry yeah <laughs> um no speaking of of your multiple relationships like I have never been in um a polyamorous relationship so I'm not really sure how it works can you tell me about that yeah and- yeah all of the all of the and I don't I'm like making myself sound so old but like, <laughs> I kind of feel like they're like new age is it sexualities is that like even the right um, like different relationship, like, types. relationship types, relationship yeah. models, yeah, stuff like, like I'm that. just so not well versed in it because same, like have never experienced one. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any friends that um, are yeah, in relationships same. like that. Yeah. Um, well, it can look like lots of, lots and lots of different ways. Um, basically, a lot of people um, really like polyamory because you can make your own script. Like, you know, for monogamy there's kind of like a set script like we Mm -hmm. all know what monogamy looks like because Mm -hmm. that's what you know society has like written a script for us and we follow it you know what I mean even though that's not completely true like like you can still be monogamous and um not completely live by that that like heteronormative script like but like when you cheat or for instance um some couples are cool with like you fantasizing about other people just as long as you don't act on it you know stuff like that right and still consider themselves a monogamous relationship so there's like or some people who are monogamous have the odd threesome like they had a threesome once well that was that was non-monogamy happening um but they still consider themselves monogamous you know what i mean because it was like agreed upon between the two yeah and it just happened one night and it was a fun thing that they wanted to do but in general they still call themselves a monogamous couple you know yeah um so there are a lot of you know so yeah there's gen- in general a script for monogamy and we all understand what that is um even though in my experience there can be a bit of a bit of non-monogamy happening even in relationships that folks identify as monogamous but for polyamory really there is no script and you can practice it however you want. And it can be really custom created to like all the people involved. So like literally it doesn't look one way. Saying you're, you know, saying you're polyam um, can literally mean anything. So it's kind of a jumping off point for a conversation. So like how I do it is completely different how other people do it. And even, like, all the people that are invo- involved kind of in my little polyam folly family tree, uh, even within that, we all kind of practice a little differently. Um, also, it can evolve over time. So it can really – there's not one way to do it is the short answer. And what is the actual, like, definition of polyamory, though? Polyamory, like, amory means love. Mm-hmm. Um, so many loves. Okay. So, Interesting. And I mean, but there are folks that even call themselves polyam or polyamorous that don't necessarily really engage like love, love type emotions. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of an umbrella term. Like there are a couple different terms for non-monogamy. You can, it's just however you 
identify like you can be like oh we like we use the word swinger we use the word non-monogamy we use the word monogamish um which is something that i've used in the past um you know dr jess talked about that does she monogamish yeah 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 Yeah, it's a big one yeah so it's just however you identify whatever term you choose to to use basically whatever you think describes you best or or whatever you're comfortable feeling so so then from there i was just gonna say do you meet someone and what say you want to enter a relationship with somebody do you Mm -hmm. set out specific terms because you have other partners and you need boundaries um you can do that um that's certainly um is that what's needed sometimes sometimes yeah yeah for sure sometimes like i um like to front load as much of that conversation as possible you know just to like manage everybody's expectations right like I'm like I have a Mm -hmm. husband that I live with I have another partner that I see you know kind of on a regular basis they're both emotional relationships so I just try I do definitely try to let people know um that you know I'm, I'm a busy person too like I work a lot so I'm just like just you know it's not going to be like a seeing each other every day thing. Um, you know, we can text every day. <laughs> but like for me, a big commitment, uh, I, I can't really do that. Like a big time commitment. So for sure, I, I think most people do try to have that conversation as much as possible. Um, like some people get really detailed and actually draw up like contracts surrounding polyamory. Oh, wow. Um, just wow. like divining people's <laughs> boundaries and stuff. Yeah, because it's like a lot of people involved, right? And sometimes it's good to have it in writing. I haven't done that, but I for sure know people that do. So again, it's kind of like different for everybody and just kind of how everyone wants to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. What makes it easier for everyone. But yeah. like, is that, does that become weird because it's supposed to be like, your feelings, your emotions, you're pursuing like your natural, like in, love interests. Yeah, I, I yeah, I hear you because you can't predict, uh, like how you're gonna feel like emotions. You can't predict like falling in love with someone, for instance, right? So think, especially at the beginning. Yes, yeah, especially when you barely know the person. Like, how are you supposed yeah, to and then know? You have to like have these yeah contracts and stuff. Like, is does that? get weird when you're even for you without the contracts like even managing expectations so early on yeah it can be difficult for sure but I think you kind of need to also be open to things changing um just in general like if you're both on the same page of like this is what I'm looking for now let's check in again soon about this you know what I mean like let's keep let's have this be an ongoing conversation like even with contracts um they're word documents so they're not written in stone so they can always be altered and changed depending on (laughs) what's going on you know what I mean so yeah yeah I think you definitely have to be uh all just kind of aware that you know things change it's life it's love it's not like these really these things that you can define really really specifically but you know you can do your Mm -hmm. best to just try to make everybody as comfortable and happy as possible right And that's actually interesting what you say about like it's life, it's love. I wonder because I've never been in a polyamorous relationship and really don't have a lot of understanding about it. Mm -hmm. But like what if someone does decide they don't want polyamory anymore and they want monogamy? Is that something that's ever 
like an option um do you ever get like obviously you can change how you feel but yeah i just you catch feelings right like more than what you maybe agreed upon earlier like were you contracted earlier like are there a lot of broken hearts in situations like this i mean i think there are broken hearts in the way of like there's more broken hearts because there's just more people involved. So the percentage is going to go up, you know what I mean? Just because there's more people. But no, I think, Mm -hmm. especially with experienced polyam folks, um, aware and open to the fact that we all have our autonomy. And we can't police how the other person is doing polyamory. And you can't control how the other people in your like poly bubble thing are dating you know what I mean like you can express your feelings for sure and the you know compromises can be reached and uh, things like that but as far as just like personal autonomy goes you're gonna do what you want because it's your body and it's your life and you're gonna do what you want and what you Mm -hmm. feel right but you care about these people in the dynamic so for sure their feelings are gonna come into play whenever you make decisions surrounding like the relationships because everybody's you know gonna be affected in some sort of way right so you know you just try to do your best to manage manage everyone like for instance the way I practice polyamory it would be unethical for me to say to somebody else well you have to be monogamous with me you know what I mean that's not fair yeah, yeah. it's not realistic well that's not what no you got into that relationship initially for yeah, and place, I, right? I mean, you can have a conversation around it for sure. Like, for instance, if you're a couple that's been monogamous and you're like, let's try opening up the relationship a little bit. For sure, you can be checking in and being like, is this working for us? And maybe you decide that it's not working for you. And that's totally cool, you know? What if though going the opposite way? So you are married, you have a husband. What yeah. if you change your mind? Are you allowed to do that? If I change my mind of like, oh, I want our our marriage to be monogamous. Monogamous, yeah. Yeah. I don't think at this point, just the way our relationship has developed, that that's that's not something that I would want to say, could picture myself saying. Um, I mean, again, who knows? Uh, In like maybe 10 years, it's like, oh... Let's do monogamy. And that would just be a conversation we would have to have. You know what I mean? And there's not like a cut and dry answer, a black and white kind of decision on like, well, if my husband said to me, yes, tomorrow, you know, he needs a relation to be monogamous. What would I do? It's like, well, I've, I've no fucking idea. I would, (laughs) we would start a conversation about it and see what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like you guys are like, not a jealous type of folk. Like, how the hell do you combat that? I mean, yeah, that was kind of what I was gonna say. Is like, this is obviously a type of personality. Um, And yeah, someone who doesn't get super jealous. It can be but Uh, also I mean, or I'm not a robot. I feel jealousy sometimes like, are you ever jealous of your husband's partners? No, my, I mean, no, because his partner has been around for so long at this point that like, we're just, we're buds. So I would never have any reason, like there's literally no evidence surrounding, you know, that would be founded in me feeling jealous towards her. Like no evidence. Like she is the best metamor 
in the world. So, I mean, there's that. What types of things would make you jealous then? I mean, it's hard to say because like new partners, there's always a bit of uncertainty, right? So Mm -hmm. new partners coming in a dynamic. I mean, I do feel a little bit of like, like, who's this? You know, like natural kind of threatened responses. Um, So for sure, like I'm a human, I feel those. But then the thing you got to do with polyamorous be like, look at yourself and be like, okay, what's that about? You know, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that this person is not going to have as much time for you as they did before? Because where's the evidence of that? They've always, no matter how many partners they've had, they've, they, you, they always make you feel special and, you know, give you the time that you need and give you, attend to all your needs. So like, there's literally no reason you got to kind of talk yourself off of those ledges Ledges, (laughs) you know what I mean so it's not it's not realistic to be like you need to have never feel jealousy to be in polyamory that's not realistic we're people right we're humans with emotions so it happens but you figure out coping skills and managing skills and go to a lot of therapy (laughs) (laughs) to like you know deconstruct that you know what I mean I think that my thing would be I like to know that for my boyfriend, I'm his number one, like I'm his priority, mm-hmm. um, probably because I do have like attention seeking issues. And I probably should seek therapy for that. Mm-hmm. But like, it, you know, I like to be like, you know, I like to have a lot of attention. Yeah. So like, what about like, how do you feel that? And like, uh, do you direct that only to your husband? Is he your number one? Are you his number one? Like, like, I think that's kind of what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Yeah, you can Um, do it both ways where you have it where it's like a hierarchy where you have a primary partner, uh, where you have a secondary partner and tertiary partners or whatever, however many you happen to have. Or you can do a thing that's more like it's kind of called relationship anarchy, where there is no real hierarchy, right? But for me, mine like kind of fall somewhere in the middle because I do have a nesting partner like I live with my husband so naturally and I've been with him the longest so naturally he kind of falls into that primary spot although like if you look at like without those factors if you look at every other aspects of the relationships between my other partners and him and his with his other partners it's it's more the relationship anarchy model. So the only thing that's kind of making a little more like hierarchy is because we live together and I don't live with my other partner. So I I mean, first of all, I didn't even really think that there are specific terms or words. I've never heard some of those words used in that context before. I've actually never heard of like relationship anarchy. Yeah, um, and again, like some people use them and some people don't, you know. Yeah, but it's just interesting mm-hmm. because yeah. there is this preference um, when it comes to relationships and love and partners. Um, and it also has its own kind of dialogue or like um, vocabulary. Vernacular. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. it's just more learning for us, like especially for me, like we were really curious about polyamory because – Again, it's another thing that you see or hear about maybe on social, well, definitely on social, but like in different medias, um, in the movies, and it's not really something that you think about if it's not part of your life, obviously, and I just 
don't really know about it and like the the surface level is like oh well basically you're just allowed to have like as many partners as you want and some people will say like there's a obviously a bad stigma to it too uh depending on who you talk to about it and it's like well it's basically just an excuse to cheat because you can just say well i'm polyamorous right yeah um there are those people there are people doing it unethically yeah, of which course. Is not, which is not. Well, there's memory. people it's doing just... the monogamous unethically. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Well, yeah, there's just yeah. cheaters out there, and yeah. whether they're they identify as poly or monogamous, they're just cheaters. Yeah, <laughs> if it's unethical, yeah. Yeah. it's cheating, right? Yeah. I think with monogamy cheaters, it's like, and this is such a general statement, but like it's often it's like one person. Men, I'm I'm all here for it. <laughs> well, men for sure uh, are known to not be monogamous all the time, but. Uh, we can't well, say more women more common than women, I think. I, well, yeah. I think it's more talked about or they're stupider and they get caught. <laughs> yeah, maybe a combination yeah. of all those things. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking with polyamory, people, there are people obviously and probably more men to, that say, well, I'm polyamorous. So like I'm with her and her and her and her. And you can't be mad because this is my love preference where it's really it is a beard for them to just be like, I want to fuck bitches and not be in trouble for it. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, okay, but why is that kind kind of is polyamory? Yeah, exactly. If 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 you are open about that, if you're like, I like to fuck bitches um, and I don't want to get in trouble about it. If you say that to all the bitches and they're like, okay, then that's polyamory. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like yeah. that's non-monogamy, rather, not necessarily polyamory, but that's non-monogamy. Saying that if everybody's so cool is, with that, then that's it. Yeah. What is unethical polyamory then? It's when you are doing things without people's consent. So, like cheating, for instance. Like So that's what it is. It's yeah. just Cheating. It's just still cheating. Yeah, it's just unethical polyamory is just like a really nice way of saying you're a fucking cheater. (laughs) You're a liar. You're an asshole. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But um, I mean, those happen no matter. Yeah, no matter what kind of the relationship (laughs) dynamic. Relationship. Yeah. Going to get people like that. (laughs) Unfortunately. But something something you said made me think. Um, where you're like, oh, I know nothing about it, and I, um, you know, it's not very visible. But like, for instance, someone can be solo poly like you've i'm sure one of you has dated multiple guys at once like you know maybe it was the time before you went monogamous with one person and you were dating right so you were yeah you had a bunch of dates with a bunch of different guys all over the same period you know what i mean and maybe you so that was polyamorous i mean that's being solo poly if that's i'm I'm a solo poly (laughs) you know what i mean it is like and if you're open and you didn't even know it yeah, solo poly, it's <laughs> right. not. So if you're like open with that. those people and being like, hey, I'm just like dating, like that's essentially you asking for consent to enter in this type of relationship where you are, you know, able to see multiple people at once with everyone's permission. Everybody's cool with it. If you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of dating around. Yeah, yeah I just dating single. Yeah. And there dating. You go. I'm yeah. single. And I in can... my community, that's what you call being solo poly. Oh. I love that. That's a that's a good term. Like for people, okay. And I don't know why, because I fucking loved it. But there, well, points, times, and different times. But being single is yeah. something that there's so much stigma about. People have a hard time with it. And I, like I said, I loved it. But there are also bad times. But 
now maybe for those people that are having a hard time or have a stigma about it, we can just say, stop, don't call it that then. Call it poly, solo poly. Yeah, solo <laughs> right? polyam. Yeah, solely polyam. Polyam, yeah. Yeah, we don't say yeah, I think the stigma cool. comes around like age though, right? Like yeah, if you're 20, in your maid. 20s and single, it's like, go girl. If you're, you're in your like later Some 30s and single, 20s. it's like... What do you yeah, doing? but so, no matter what age, it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. Nobody else. Well, is I guess. Let me okay, sorry. Forever. I was talking about like the perspectives, right? So not the individual. Like from the outside, you've got men and women in their 20s. It's like, yeah, of course. Like they're dating, they're single, they're loving life. Like that's what they're supposed to do. And yeah. then as soon as they hit their a certain age, yeah, like early 30s, then to mid 30s, and all, so on down. for sure. Yeah, it's that's like, like the, oh, that you're heteronormative still script that we're exactly that's perpetuated, right? We're all supposed to settle down around like 30, right? So, with one person, with one person monogamously, and right? A, ma- a man and a woman and... are supposed to, yeah, that's that script that we're talking about. So yeah. with polyamory. We're just like ripping flip that up and script. throwing it out the window. Yeah, flip the script. I really baby. just always have wanted to say I flip the script. Flip the script. <laughs> nice. How's it feel? How's it feel? Yeah. Scratch that How off the bucket feel? list. <laughs> Life is looking good, eh? It's only up from here. <laughs> oh, my God. That's too funny. But thank um, you for asking that because, you know, I I think sometimes on my podcast, because I do talk about like sex and relationships a lot, I think I kind of forget to go back and have the like polyam 101 conversation. So I'm glad that we, you know, ha- are having that here because maybe I'm talking at a 102 level when people are still like, uh, what is polyam exactly? <laughs> so well, thanks. Yeah, and yeah, we needed it. You're welcome. Up. We there were really yeah. curious about it. And Pretty much with any uh, non-mainstream like sex or sex work or sex-related uh, questions, we come to you because like you're <laughs> informative <the> and <laughs> you're very easy to talk to, and you break it down in a very palatable way. Oh, and so it's just it's nice to talk to somebody who's informed and like isn't yeah biased either like you're not coming at it from one side like you get it and you see it all yeah and you don't come across that way and and we're just like we aren't afraid to admit like we just don't know about this stuff like it is not in our day-to-day and we are curious because I want to be educated. Yeah, that's to me, that's the smartest thing you can say is I don't know. I don't know enough about that topic to speak on it. So let's find somebody who can. And mm. especially when you're podcasting and like having guests of different walks of life, that's like the best way, as far as I'm concerned, you can go about it. Like, I don't know about this thing. So you talk, please, you know. Or yeah. sometimes if it's like embarrassing that we don't know, we'll say, well, <laughs> for the listeners that don't know. <laughs> Because yeah, I sometimes, sometimes I worry, yeah, <laughs> because sometimes I worry that, oh, I feel guilty that I should be more educated, but then, you know, I, I nip that in the bud because it's like, what can I do? I don't freaking know. What am I supposed to do? Right. Exactly. And I'd rather just ask the expert instead of trying to Google it beforehand and, you know, then input some stupid false opinion. So I was just going to say, if you ever hear me on the pod saying that it's probably because it's me, I'm, I'm the listeners who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Among so many other things, Jess, it's you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I look at it from – it's so easy to talk about something even if you don't know a damn thing about it. And I've caught myself doing that before where I'm like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. And like I have this opinion or, yeah, this perspective on something. And then after I'm like, oh, 
I actually don't know. And I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to automatically maybe come across like I'm casting a judgment or I and I don't like talking about something that I don't really know about because then eventually I'm going to look like an idiot but it's more of like I want because if I'm getting in a conversation with somebody for instance about polyamory and they kind of have that very like surface level or like negative stigma or connotation around it I want to be the able to say like well actually yeah it's basically exactly the same thing that you're doing but with more people that's the literally only difference it's exactly it looks exactly as mundane as your relationships look except i guess more people at the same time doing it like it's very mundane really (laughs) actually not fun at all don't even bother i I actually wonder how to have the time sometimes like how do you have the emotional that's the other thing. to like attend that's the difficult part also of it, sometimes right? i'm like this would be amazing if i could pawn my husband off on someone else for a little oh, while. yeah it's a little bit of that too <laughs> <laughs> like i don't hate the idea <laughs> of having I. a bit of alone time no that's part of it especially during pandemic stuff right you're all, both just stuck Ugh. at home but the good part like the the kind of positive flip of the coin on that is i have multiple people to help me with my partner like when it comes my husband's birthday for example i know he's going to be so spoiled and like so overly taken care of you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. like and she's going to get lucky. bomb presents she's she can drive i can't drive so she's going to like drive him to these like nice locations and do these fun things and i can just do his birthday my way and like he's getting this all these lovely little different types of love thrown this his way and um same thing cool. with like if somebody needs support, it's like there are multiple people supporting that person now. And how great is that? So that's so great that you're so happy about that too though. Like I so excited yeah, for him and like of you. Ha- like love that he's getting spoiled. I can be selfish too. Of course. But, but, but that's like, also when it's your birthday and you're like, yes, more people for presents. More presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like what I was thinking. Your parents are divorced and you have like two Christmases. Yeah. Like yeah. Shit like that, right? <laughs> two Christmases. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't I lie. Like, like sometimes in youth, I was kind of jealous of my friends whose parents, parents were divorced. I was like, oh, you got a lot of stuff. I got two, two things. <laughs> it's like, I got one from Santa and one from my parents. <laughs> Um, speaking of Christmas and stuff, okay, this is what, this is the kind of what I wanted to know. What, okay. Who do you, like, bring home with you for Christmas? Or if you're going to a wedding, do you, bring, do you bring only your husband as the date? Like, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to know. I bring whoever wants to come in both those situations. Like, whoever's more jazzed about doing the thing with me, a lot of times it ends up being nobody. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like okay. nobody wants to come <laughs> see my parents, so that I'm like, that seems very okay. counterintuitive. To I'm just what going along. Is about. Like, I know, I right? Like, I'm like somebody got to step like, up. Come on, me. I signed up for two people. One of you is fucking coming with me to the yes. goddamn wedding. Not amongst like, yourselves, that's when you often just bring like somebody. That's that might be the times where like you're like, okay. Maybe who who do I have a crush on? Like who could this be the first date? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, come partner. on, those are <laughs> supposed to be the perks. There. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, um, okay, hello, there's two of you. Go to the wedding. 
<laughs> some people, oh man, I mean, it's, I don't know. My husband never wants to go to a wedding, but. Um, it's like a oh. wardrobe change. I know. I like well, it. Okay, I'm like, who next, wouldn't want to. The other one. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So the answer is just like, whoever wants to come. It's really not that um, difficult of a decision. It's like, I have is this thing. Is it only thing. a problem if like they both want to come? That actually like, rarely really happens. happens. It, Battle it re- to the death for the really winner does. who gets to come to the wedding. Because people have different personalities and different interests, right? So often, like, an event will come up where I'm like, oh, this is so wrong for Matt, but this is so right for Josh. Like, that that more happens often than a, an event that magically comes up that is, like, perfect for the two of them and they would both love to come. Like, honestly, that has never happened. And then you can decide who comes. And then you just don't even tell the other one, right? It's just that- easier. Yeah, I'd like, you know, I don't want to like, I would never, for example, send out the invite to both people. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I would just choose somebody who maybe, maybe it's just more practical and makes more sense that I would choose one over the other. Maybe they have plans usually on the weekend with another partner. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's not a, a question of like, who do I love more? It's never that. It's always stuff that's like, what makes more sense for this person to come with me or to do this thing with me? It's always about scheduling, really, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, and that's like cool, though, because you're obviously not typically in a, or maybe you are, actually, I have no idea, a polyamorous relationship with somebody that's the same as the other person like maybe because you're attracted to those characteristics in that person this set of characteristics in the other person rather than dating or being with somebody that is like the two people are identical or is that more common like I don't know I feel like one is like the little black dress and then one is like your studded leather jacket right and And you can I mean people practice polyam in all sorts of ways obviously but um it's more about the people right like for me I'm never I don't have a type and I don't go for a type I don't think even though they are probably for the best they are both big white guys with beards but beyond that (laughs) well I mean a physical type type. (laughs) you definitely have a type (laughs) but Jess has a type too and you know what so do I do you (laughs) what's your type Jess yeah Oh, also my God. white I and like... with beards. <laughs> but big, I mean, like, they're I around. Like they're around. Skinny guys or anything like no. that. I like a big man. Yeah, I like a big boy. Yeah. Big and boy I'm boy. like your basic bitch where I'm like, ah, oh, shaved head and like tan like and built. Muscles. And, like, basic oh, muscles. Like a Tommy type model. <laughs> I just Tommy. like all American boy kind of look. Like oh, it's no, sad to say, me. but I do. Yeah, it's very much for me. me (laughs) Well, hey, if you decide to enter polyamory, you could have a whole flock of them. (laughs) Tommy boys. Yeah, like, I can't go down that road. No. (laughs) That would be fun. Because she's not polyamorous and she'd be in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. That's not a conversation we've had. Let's just say that. That's unethical polyamory. And that's exactly what it would be. So, ladies, unfortunately, we are already at time. Um, but oh my. I mean, I would love, I would love. It always flies with with you two, honestly, because you're just really such great it conversationalists, really and you're just you're just lovely to hang out with. But back um, at you, babe. Oh, finger yes. guns. Um, can you tell the people where they can find your podcast and where they can follow Perspective Podcast on socials as well? So yeah, you can follow us at Perspective underscore on instagram and listen to us on all your podcast apps 
Okay, so yeah, for me, I mean, at the Lady Pim One on Twitter, Pim.Lady on Instagram, the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram, our Patreon is the Bedpost Show, and our YouTube is the Bedpost Sex Show. One huge thank you I always want to give is to Stephanie Copeland, who does the original music for my podcast. And uh, yes, lastly, I mean, Jess and Lauren from Perspective Podcast. This has been absolutely lovely. And I would love to do it again sometime. Would you like to come back on? Yes, please. Cannot wait. Woohoo. Yeah. We can chat every day if you really want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With all the time that you have. You know? I know. Maybe yeah. Bedpost will have three uh, hosts going here forward. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that, that makes sense. Yeah. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much to the two of you. And thank you to everyone that's been watching today. We'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality. Bye. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. So